Well, good morning, everybody. Turn to your neighbor and say good morning. Make sure they're awake. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 8. If you're new or a guest, we're going chapter by chapter through this wonderful book. We finished chapter 7 last week. We're in chapter 8. Before I pray, I want to mention a couple of things. One is, uh, I believe Christians ought to vote. I'm sorry, don't shout me down. Christians ought to vote. Christians ought to be registered. If you're not registered, you can't complain. And you need to vote Christian values. And there's good people running, and you need to support them. And so please turn out to vote. You know, just because, well, it's not a big election. Every election is a big election. So please, please vote. Now, before I pray, I just want to give you a little bit of a heads up. Every Sunday, every time you open the Bible, you need to ask the Lord, what are you saying to me? This is not about hearing a sermon. It's about you hearing from the Lord. And uh, next, before we pray, <clears throat> this is hard stuff. <clears throat> Rome, uh, Revelation 8, what we did last week, it is hard stuff. I, I don't even think I'll tell one joke today. Well, I might. Uh, and I want to say God's going to take care of his people. He just will. And uh, so let me pray. Father, as we open your holy word, <clears throat> this is not about me. It's not about this church. It's about you and your plans. So order the scriptures. Prick our hearts and reveal what's for us in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. <clears throat> Revelation 8, starting verse number 1. One, I'm reading from New American Standard. And then the Lamb broke the seventh seal. Who is the Lamb? I'm sorry, who is the Lamb? Thank you. And there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him so that he might add it to, add it to what? Underline it in your Bibles. Add it to what? The prayers of all the saints. That's believers. You're either a saint or you're an ain't. The prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints. See, it tells you twice. Went up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, he filled it with the fire of the altar, he threw it to the earth, and there followed peals of thunder, unusual sounds, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets, they prepared, everyone say prepared, they prepared themselves to sound them. Now let's walk through the passage at the top of your outline, I urge you to take notes. This is a learning experience. You're here, you should learn. You should pay attention. First question, top of your outline, does God love people? Is that a yes or no? Yes. I'm sorry, is that a yes or no? Yes. That is, does he love you? Yes. Completely, all the time, will never stop. Next, but on the other hand, does God want people's attention? Does it matter how we live? 
It really does. Does God have standards and boundaries? Does he want us to behave and think and speak a certain way? And that's called the holiness of God, which means he's morally perfect. And he really cares. And so he expects, he says this, I'll never be perfect. I'll never have a perfect day this side of heaven. But he says, I want you to be perfect as I'm perfect. I want you to follow my example. Now, as we go through this, chapter by chapter, week by week, I just need to tell you what our focus is. Our focus is not what I think. Our focus is not what you think. Our focus is what does the scripture say? And I will not pretend to understand everything because I do not, and there's not a person on the planet that does. And if they act like they do, they are incorrect. God is too big, and his plan is too grand. So from last week, we spent 45, 50 minutes on chapter 7. So heaven, in verse 1 of chapter 8, has transitioned. They've gone from explosive worship in heaven the worship of the angels, the worship of the 24 elders, the greatest servants of the Lord that ever lived, from the four cherubim, the highest rank of angels, and from the saints that are already there. They, they worshiped and they fell to their knees. And this unnumberable, that's the wrong word, this number that couldn't count, this group of people, Maybe a billion people that came to Christ during these difficult years. They go from loud worship to silence, just like that. When the Lamb, Jesus, opened the seventh seal. Okay? Now, you say, why, Steve, is heaven completely silent for 30 minutes? Heaven can count. They do have timepieces. That's a big deal, 30 minutes. 30 minutes in heaven is a big deal. And my guess it's because all heaven is completely awestruck. They are dumbfounded about what came out of the seventh seal and what's about to come. Their hands lowered. They fell on their face. They got on their knees. And their mouth was open. And we're talking about a lot of people. Essentially, everything in heaven just shut down. It absolutely stopped because of what we're about to see in chapter 8. Now, this is not in your notes. I urge you to write this down. You got a, a tiny bit of space at the top. You can. I want to share four things that will give you big perspective on this word called judgment. Everyone say judgment. <clears throat> Our culture does not want to talk about this. Churches will not tolerate this, but it's in the Bible, and we need to talk about it. And let me give you a perspective, a healthy perspective of what judgment means as we go through Revelation. You may not believe it, but judgment is actually good news. Everyone say good news. Are you kidding me, Steve? Are you crazy? Yes, but it has nothing to do with this. <clears throat> judgment is indeed good news. Has, have you ever had God spank you and it actually helped you? 
How many got a spanking from your mother, your grandmother, your dad, a coach? Remember when they used to do it in school and it actually helped you? How many did? How many actually got a spanking? Hold your hand up. How many didn't get all the spankings you should have got? And uh, once you start following Christ, I have found God is stricter on me each year I serve him. He does not tolerate disobedience. He does not tolerate a bad attitude. He does not even like a proud look. And his spankings always help me. And uh, number two, judgment means that God cares. If he didn't care, he wouldn't do anything. But he cares. And point number three, judgment means one day he's going to deal with not some evil. He's going to deal with all evil one day. You know why? Because God's patient. If he wasn't patient, you would have got scorched a long time ago. Someone say, thank the Lord. That's right. He's very patient, not wishing that any should perish. But there will come a time he will stand up from his throne and all this stuff we've been reading will be unveiled. And number four, judgment means people will come to repentance. You say, Steve, does that mean all people? No, all people will not. But a lot of people will. And uh, if you want to have an effective ministry, just look people, look for people that are under intense pressure. Look for people not doing well. Because God is somewhere in the room and he wants to help them. Now, point number two, during this silence, seven super beings... Real created creatures were given seven trumpets. This is not symbolism. This is actually what will happen, what John saw. And there's three stages of judgment in the book of Revelation. We spent a couple weeks and talked about this great seal judgment. Now we're going to talk about the trumpet judgment. And the trumpet judgments are stronger and tougher than the seal judgments, okay? Are you with me? I want you to watch the progression. But the trumpet judgments are not as severe as the bowl judgments that's coming up in chapter 16. You say, by the way, do you see the progression? You say, I'm sorry, do you you see it? Do you see the progression? And you go, well, see, why, why the progression? Well, a couple of reasons. God absolutely knows what he's doing. And it's not his will that anyone should perish. Someone say amen. It's not, he wants all to come to repentance. And he's very patient. He's very merciful. He's forgiving for people that will come for forgiveness. Now, one of the little clues on this is the, the phrase one-third. Everyone say one-third. When you see something repeated in a passage, it means it's very important. So we see this phrase one-third repeated eight times one-third of the water one-third of the sea creatures one-third of the of the sun one-third of the stars okay so it's partial at this point but the train is coming for total judgment and he's trying to help people point number b i just want to Make this, I I can't explain everything, but I want to package it so you can see some things that are right there in front of us, but we don't take take notice of it. 
Point number B is the four trumpet judgments we'll look at today seem to be released on the environment. The three we study next week are very different. Demonic hosts are unleashed to torment the unrepentant. That's the difference next week. Now, to me, as I read this, this is a sad commentary on the human race. Frankly, we are all a bunch of stinkers, aren't we? If there's a stinker in the room, turn around and point at them right now. Just go ahead and point. There's a stinker right there. Rascals. Uh, we're just a whole in the flesh. We are selfish, arrogant. You're not telling me what to do. And it takes something to get people's attention. And it takes pressure. I came to Christ as an 18-year-old because of pressure. Intense pressure. Sometimes you pray for your wayward kid and, oh, Lord, help them, get them out of this, bail them out, bless them. You ought to be praying, Lord, ramp up the pressure. Bring heaven down on their stubborn hearts. Do whatever it takes to get their attention so they submit to you. Any Life, even a Christian life, is not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus is a wasted life. You're wasting your life, whether you're 14 or 44 or 84. And it takes pressure to get our attention, and that's what the book of Revelation is partially about. It's God's love, God's holiness, and pressure. And I want to ask you a question. Is pressure good? Or pressure bad. If you think pressure is bad, oh, I can't take it. This is so hard, and I just can't take it at work, and my kids are, uh. How many think pressure is bad? Hold your hand up. You don't pray for it, do you? How many think pressure is good? Uh, oh, look at all the honest hands. How many think this is a trick question? I'm not committing to nothing. <clears throat> and... Secondly, how much pressure does it take for God to get your attention? Are you stiff-necked? Are you stubborn? Are you arrogant? Do you think you have the world by the tail and you know everything? You know, there's a lot of people that act like they're God. And a lot of people think that serving myself is the way to go. And you know what? Sooner or later, God will get your attention. And he'll do whatever it takes to get your attention. They're talking about pressure being good or bad. You can take the biggest boulder and you can crush it into the finest dust or gravel. And if that's what it takes, he'll do that to you. Or he can use pressure. He can take a lump of coal and with time and pressure and turn it into a beautiful gem. So don't run from pressure. Embrace it and respond to the Lord and say, Lord, what are you saying? You should get up every morning like Eli taught his little charge, that eight-year-old boy Samuel. said, when the Lord calls your name, don't come to me. You hold your hand up and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. What do you want, Lord? 
Now we see in this passage something called a sensor. Everyone say sensor. That's not something on your Toyota that goes off and says red light. That's not the sensor. This is a golden implement, a bowl with a cover primarily, and it's attached to three small ropes or three golden chains. It was used in the tabernacle. Everyone say tabernacle. The tabernacle was a movable tent where God said, let me teach you about myself. And finally, they built the standalone temple until the Babylonians destroyed it. Solomon did that. Okay, so look at the brazen altar. Do you see it? That is this square box right here. You see the fire. You see the smoke. And the brazen. So once they would sacrifice the animals, the sheep, the bulls, even the the, the doves as a sin offering, all, all of these implements, all these pieces of furniture were to teach people about the son and what he would do. There's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. It's a principle all the way through the scripture. So when the animal was, was burned and consumed, they would put some of the hot coals, and this is another picture of what the brazen altar would have looked like. And they would put them in the censer and take it to the altar of incense. Now, the altar of incense was a rectangular box, I'd say 20 to 24 inches square. It was probably four feet tall. It was overlaid with gold. You could not touch that. It could only be carried through these poles that you'd see through the little rings. So those hot coals would be dropped on the altar of incense and the hot coals would ignite the uh, herbs that made up the incense. Now one of the times I was in Israel at the Temple Institute, by the way, the Jews in Israel have reconstructed all the pieces of the furniture for the temple that will be rebuilt one day in Jerusalem. And uh, when you see that temple going up, you got to know this is getting really close. And so this young Jewish girl who's probably 20 from Chicago, she came out and and some assistants, she brought out four different glass containers of the four different spices that would make up the incense. It was against the law, she said, for the Jews to mingle and make the incense now. But one day they would. And that was so strong, she said that when the high priest would do this, sheep in Jericho 16 miles away, it could have been an exaggeration, would sneeze. (laughs) And she said the women of of Jerusalem never had to wear perfume because this beautiful smell would be in their hair all the time. Now look at this. So this sweet smelling smoke, so you've got two sections. You've got the Holy of Holies in the back. High priests could only go there one time a year on the Day of Atonement to make a sacrifice offering for the national sins on the Day of Atonement. And that's a picture of Jesus, our high priest. But twice a day, 
this altar of incense would be right up against the veil. And the veil was about this thick. It was 60 feet tall. And so as he did that, look at the smoke going up. And the smoke pictured the prayers of God's people to the throne. And it was pleasing to the Father. And this occurred twice daily in the tabernacle, the temple. So how often did it occur? Twice daily. At the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. The morning sacrifice was at 9 o'clock. The evening sacrifice was at 3 o'clock. It's, it, I never thought about this before, but on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came at the morning sacrifice, nine o'clock. And Jesus died on the cross exactly at three o'clock. He took his last breath. It was the same moment all the Passover lambs, 100,000 just in Jerusalem, died precisely at three o'clock, that he died at three o'clock. There's some wonderful pictures. Now look look at the picture on the screen. That shows from Luke 1 how Zechariah, who was a priest, he could only one time in his lifetime go into the holy place and do this offering. And by lottery, he was chosen. And he had been praying for a son or a child for 30 years. And he gets in there. And the super being appears and says, your wife will have a son who will be the forerunner of the Messiah. Now, what we read, what Jesus told John to write down was, this angel took the censer filled with fire from the altar and he did an amazing thing. He cast it to the earth. This is what John saw. And when it hit the earth, a lot of things happened. And it's my belief, my understanding, this is some little clues that our prayers activate the ministry of angels. How do you get that? Well, this is exactly what happened. The more we pray and we are becoming a house of prayer, that every prayer is the center of everything we do, that's what's going to happen in this city. We will become a city of prayer. And we will see the more ministry of angels, more miracles, more salvations, more church plants, more more marriages fixed. We're going to see God show up in this city because we are praying. We can't fix this stuff. God can. And so our prayers bring about the plan of God. You say, well, why can't God do it on his own? He can, but he wants partners. He wants us to do our 2% and he'll do the 98%. And he may not do it if we don't do it, if we don't participate, when he asks us to join him. Now, John, when this sensor hit the planet, he saw an amazing thing. He saw an, an eruption of thunder, an eruption of lightning, earthquakes, all now. Maybe in the physical realm. My guess is more likely in the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is invisible to us. It's just on the other side of our heartbeat. There's things going on in our room. There's th- in this room, there's things going on in your family that your prayers have stimulated the ministry of God in their life. 
the, the spiritual realm, the invisible realm is more important than what we see. Are you with me? And prayers are what causes the activity to just ramp up in the spiritual realm. I just want to urge you to remember prayers produce impact. No prayer, no impact. Little prayer, little impact. And the devil hates a lot of stuff. He hates the scripture. He hates missions. He hates evangelism. He hates marriage. He hates families. He hates the countries of the world. But he really hates prayer. And he will try to discourage you by saying, you've been praying for a long time and that prayer hasn't been answered. Don't quit. Well, your prayers, your prayers aren't going to change anything. Don't listen to that. Don't quit. Your prayers are impacting a lot of things. Your prayers are eternal. Your prayers are stored by God and cherished. Your prayers will work long after you're off of this planet. Because that's how God works. And that is our ministry. So the trumpet blasts in scriptures, they have three purposes. Well, what are the three purposes? One is to gather God's people. When the Ten Commandments were given to Moses on Mount Sinai, he heard the blast of the trumpets in the invisible realm. You do realize they didn't have cell phones right then, right? So if you're going to call three million people together, you uh, dot, 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 dot. Hello. Second reason was to announce war. The priests, as they circled Jericho, all had silver trumpets. And the third purpose is a coronation of a king. When Solomon was crowned king following his father David, Jerusalem erupted. You see the thread in Revelation, the coronation of the king, the call to war the gathering of God's people. Now, the first four trumpets we're going to look at in just, just a second, they seem to destroy much of the natural resources of the Antichrist empire. I never saw this before. I'm sure the father would say too, Lucifer into the Antichrist. Uh, by the way, you want to mess with me? How about if I cut your water off? You want to mess with me? You want to mess with my people? How about I destroy your food supply? You want to you wanna, uh, spur this rebellion? How about if I shut the lights off? How about that? How, how do you like that? And these affect the areas. There's about six areas. One is the environment. One is a food supply, one is a water supply, one is a sea trade, one is light and heat. You say, Steve, why are we talking about this stuff? This is heavy stuff. It is heavy stuff, but most Americans have never read this. And they have no clue. The purpose is to destroy 
the resources that support life without directly killing people in the first four trumpet blasts. Now, let's read, and I'm going to read one at a time. Okay, you still got your Bible? Hold your Bibles up. Let me see them. Okay. Verse 7, this is trumpet blast number 1. The first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood. They were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. First trumpet sounds, we have severe hail. There are times in Scripture that hail landed so devastating, probably the size of a golf ball or a baseball, it killed people. Hail can destroy a crop quickly, followed by flashes of lightning, which probably produced hail, uh, probably produced wildfires, grass, vegetation, trees, crops, destroyed. Now, as we read these, they will mirror a lot of the same judgments or the ten plagues on Egypt. God said to Pharaoh, by the way, you don't want to let my people go? How about if I ramp up the pressure on you? You want to play hard with me? I can't play harder with you. So this will wipe out a lot of the pasture lands, a lot of livestock production, devastate the food supply. Second trumpet, verse 8 and 9. The second angel sounded, and something like, everyone say something like. Now you see that like used a lot in Revelation. Why? John has no idea what he's looking at. If I saw it, I would have no idea what I'm looking at. And he's trying to describe it for us. Something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the creatures that were in the sea and had life died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Let me share with you kind of what this looks like. This is an unprecedented ecological economic disaster that strikes earth. And John saw something. He's saying it is like something like this. And I'm not saying it's a volcanic eruption, but something huge, something on fire falls into the ocean If you know anything about history, our world has had some eruptions of volcanoes that killed hundreds of thousands of people and messed up the entire economy. This will be very big. John wrote down, a third of the sea became blood. How does that happen? I do not know. John said it will happen. It's kind of like... The Lord said to Moses, you go to the Nile. They want to worship the Nile. They want to trust the Nile. 
You take your staff, you walk over in the presence of Pharaoh, you stick the tip of your staff down in there, and I will mess up the entire Nile for them until they figure out who is the Lord. One-third of the sea creatures died. Can you imagine what that would do to the food supply? Now, I did a little Google stuff. Last year, there were 53,973 ocean-going ships registered. I'm believing that is merchant ships, not pleasure boats, not military, but 53,973 ships. Now, you wonder, why can't I get jeans at Walmart? You wonder why Sam's doesn't have rolls. You wonder why I can't get a Toyota crankshaft. It's because they can't get it on a boat and get it over here. Now, whatever this is, slides into possibly the Mediterranean alone could produce a tsunami bigger than anything that's ever been seen. I've been to Southeast Asia, but that one that happened, what was it, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, where there was an earthquake underneath the ocean, the plates shifted, and it sent millions of tons of water going in different directions. A lot of people died on vacation in Thailand, Vietnam, the Philippines, people just fishing from their boats. We never saw them again. Just took the calculator, divided the number I gave you by three, Right now, that would be almost 18,000 ships destroyed very quickly. That's enough to mess also with your economy. Third trumpet. Verse number 10, the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, it fell on a third of the rivers and the springs and the water. The name of the star is called Wormwood. Everyone say Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood, became wormwood and many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. It seems like God's judgment goes from the oceans and now it comes on the land. And John saw something that would mess with the water supplies. Anybody know what this lake is? Anybody? It is Lake Mead. So the water supply of earth, the rivers, the streams, the wells, the springs, uh, Lake Mead furnishes water to California. Arizona, Nevada, and parts of Mexico. It's a big body of water. If you notice, look in that picture. Something has happened in the picture. You see what's happened in the picture? There's a delineation on the cliffs there. You see the different colors? This part of the world has been in a drought for a long time. Places like Los Angeles... 
in Vegas are throwing up housing divisions and people are watering their grass. And I've never been to Vegas, but they like to throw water in the air up there. That's an expensive way. And uh, last week, Lake Mead was at its lowest ebb at 31% capacity. Now, again, we talked about the holiness of God, and does God have standards, yes or no? Does God dislike it when you put your thumb in his eye? Would that be yes or no? Okay, this is not political, but this is just the truth. Seven weeks ago, Governor Gavin Newsom, and that's his wife, signed a pretty radical abortion bill into effect in the state of California saying, we're going to pay for all the out-of-pocket expenses to abort children. We want California to be the lead. He didn't say this, but in killing your babies. How How do they not think through this? And we're going to celebrate it. California would already be destroyed had there not been excellent churches and people praying for revival in California. The scripture stated that a great burning star fell from the heavens, potentially an asteroid. It doesn't take many of those things to mess up your life. And this thing apparently is molten, it is hot, it is on fire, and I'm not a scientist, but I'm thinking as it approaches the Earth's atmosphere, it disintegrates, this is, I'm just thinking out loud, and it falls into various bodies on the Earth. Uh, if, if you're paying attention... Our wicked world has no excuses in God's eyes. Would you agree with me? We deserve God's judgment. Wormwood is actually a plant. This is a picture of wormwood. It is a bitter plant. It can be a poisonous plant, and it symbolizes the bitterness of God's Judgment. Does anybody know where this is? This is Lake Cumberland. It's a joke. Sorry, I told a joke. Sorry. National Geographic Society says there's essentially a hundred principal rivers in the world. Two years ago, I got to see this river, which was a dream of my life, to see the Nile. It is majestic. It has been the center of civilization. Four, it is the longest river in the world. 4,000 miles long. Look at this map. It's a long river. In the good old U.S. of A, there are essentially 30 large rivers. Some of you have maybe never ever seen this river. I don't know if you'd even notice it, seen it. You might know what this river is. Is it the Amazon River? 
This is the Ohio River. Has anybody ever heard of that? Ever seen it? That is the journey of the Ohio River. It is number 10 in length of American rivers. The longest river in America is the Missouri. The Mississippi is number two. Why are you telling me this? I want you to picture what God is saying. One third of all these rivers, one third of all their tributaries are going to be so messed up. They will be so polluted from this burning star that drinking anything from this river could bring a painful death and men will die. And then the fourth one, Verse 12 and 13, the fourth angel sounded, a third of the sun, a third of the moon, a third of the stars were struck, so that a third of them would be darkened, and the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. Verse 13, then, everyone say then, I looked and heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven, saying with a loud voice, woe. Woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. Why? Because of something. Because of the remaining blast of the trumpets of the three angels that are about to sound. Now the judgments from the the first three trumpets affected only a third. Do you remember that? A third of everything. Why? Why? God is merciful. He's ramping up pressure to reach the hearts of wicked men. But the fourth judgment is different. It affects all the earth. Well, how would it affect all the earth? Because you remember the source of all of our energy, the source of our life comes not only from God, but from the sun. And when... A third of the solar engine is turned off. What do you think that's going to do to temperatures? A slight change in our orbit, a slight change in the tilt of this planet is disastrous. But if 33% change, hopefully we'll get people's attention Because places that are hot will become cold, and places that are cold will become very cold. Now, this is something, I'm just speculating, okay? Just Steve, it's just speculating. I think this turnoff of the sun, the stars, is temporary. Why? Well, when Moses was told to say, okay, darkness come over Egypt, it lasted three days. Three days. Now, in chapter 16, it seems like God, he cut, he cut it off. In chapter 16, it looks like he flips the switch and he brings it back up. Well, how does he flip the switch again? Because the sun goes from being cold and dark to being hot and you can't get away from it. 
And the crazy thing is you'd think people would repent. You'd think people would say, I'm sorry. People say, I want to receive Jesus. Instead, the scripture says men shake their fist in the face of God and they curse God. This will increase. Darkness will increase. Have you ever noticed that a lot of crime happens after midnight. Have you ever noticed people get in trouble after midnight? Have you ever noticed that wicked things happen after midnight? I told my kids, every place I was a youth pastor, I go, you're going to be home. You're going to be in bed. There's nothing good after midnight unless you're at an all-night prayer meeting or you're street witnessing. Because people will do bad things at night they wouldn't even think about doing during the day. And Jesus said this, men love the darkness and hate the light. And six, worship team, would you come out please? An eagle-like creature, John saw. John just calls it an eagle is flying across mid-heavens and is saying with a loud voice. Now, to me, if, a, if I see an eagle and he's the size of a 747, I'm going to pay attention. And if that eagle says something, I'm going to go, uh, can I write this down? Can you give me just a minute? What did you just say? Because if this thing comes through, uh, it must be very, very important. Why is God doing this? Why did God dispatch this creature? Why did this creature cry out? Because God is merciful. God is trying to spare people. God wants to get people's attention. And this creature says, whoa, whoa. Woe to the men that dwell on the face of the earth. The number three is significant. Why did the eagle say this three times? Because it's one warning for every one of the remaining trumpet blasts because it's about to ramp up. I want to close with this. Can somebody send an eagle to go get my worship team? Where are they? No, no. Oh, there they are. Okay. Sorry. 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 They have a mean boss. They do. Uh, question. Are you ready? Does God love people? I'm sorry. One more time. Does God love people? Does he really love people? Does he love you? All the way through the book of Revelation, do you see God's love? Yes. Next. Does God want people's attention? Would that be yes or no? Yes. Now I want to close this time in prayer and we're going to, The next moments are the most important moments. Because whatever the Lord has said to you and to me, it's a time to respond. Seems like every week we have people that just want to come to the altar to humble themselves, cry out for that lost boy, ask for healing, 
surrender, recommit, say, Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. That's what the altar is for. It's where something dies and something is given. So we want to open this altar. Because you don't want to walk out of here when you need to make a decision about something, anything, and just go, oh, I'll do it later. No, do it now. Do it now. Do it now. So let's, every head bowed, every eye closed right now. Lord, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for the eternal word of God that speaks truth, truth we need to hear. And Lord, uh, we pray your word gripped some hearts today. And maybe people watching online Whatever you say, Lord, we say yes to you. We want to be quick to humble ourselves, quick to confess our sin, quick to say yes to whatever you've got. For anyone in this room, or anyone watching online that is ready to make Christ Lord of their life, Right where you sit, would you just pray with me right now and say, Lord Jesus, I'm tired of running. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Be my Savior and Lord today and give me a home in heaven because, Lord, I got nothing left except my life and I give it to you. Use my life for your glory. In Jesus' name. The altar is open. Come and do business with God. Humble yourself and tell him yes to whatever he's asking you to do.
a hard book at times, but it's a great book. Years ago, I was up in Clay County visiting my late mother-in-law. I was a great godly woman with my wife, and we were talking to one of the nurses, and my wife gave the nurse one of my books, and about an hour later, she comes back in the room with this scowl on her face like she wanted to kill me. And I realized that what, I realized what happened. She just read the beginning of the book and got real mad at things that I was doing. But things got better. And as you continue on in the book of Revelation, things get better. Jesus comes back and fixes all things. He comes back and fixes all things, I said. If it gets really hard, you may want to glimpse at the final two chapters. They're really, really good. We win. We win. No matter what happens, we win. And guess what? We win today as well. No matter what we go through, God is with us. He's able and he loves us. Father, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for a timely message revealing things to come which are important prepare us for those things that no matter what we go through we win because we have Jesus and we thank you for it in his mighty and wonderful name thank you for worshiping with us today please pick up your children have a wonderful week Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope to see you next week.